Welcome to the Nerd Party. Hello, hello. Welcome back to The Rock Paperback. I'm one of your hosts, Charles Sheeland. And I'm the other host, Asia Bonilla, and we are back again this week finishing Messenger, the third book of The Giver Quartet. And you'll have to keep listening to see how I felt about this book relative to The Giver and Gathering Blue. Yeah, I think we both have a fair number of thoughts. But as we like to say every single week, we are a book club podcast with the Nerd Party Network, and we read and reread young adult books from our adolescence. Uh, I have read The Giver and Gathering Blue, which are the first two books in the series before. I hadn't read Messenger, and I haven't read Sun. So this one was actually new to both of us. And, well, we finished it this week, and I don't want to get too far ahead. So, But it was new for both of us. Yes, and I'm going to go ahead and give a quick plot summary for anyone who needs a refresher of the main plot points of the reading. So diving right in... We have Maddie, who's on his way to Kira's village to collect her as his community is closing the border. He picks up Kira and her community, and they start to make their way back to the village. But the forest starts to attack them, and Maddie and Kira are really struggling to come back. It's honestly quite graphic. And the village is, of course, preparing for the closed border. And Seer and Leader are watching them, and then Leader goes into the forest to save them. Eventually, they all connect, and Maddie ends up using his healing gift to heal the earth, which apparently heals everyone who had, like, traded things away, and the forest, and just everything. And then he dies. And that's the end of the book. That's literally what happens. It's like Maddie sacrifices himself so that everything will be okay and everyone else will, like, live happily ever after. So, in case you couldn't tell by the tone of my voice, I did find the ending very disappointing, especially... Going into this book, I felt it was a lot more interesting than the last book, Gathering Blue, which I very much did not like. But yeah, the ending just was very anticlimactic and just awful. (laughs) Um, Also, for me personally, I think my favorite character so far has been Maddie in this book. Like, I just like hearing from his perspective and like reading from his point of view so it kind of sucks that you know the one character i really liked (laughs) dies at the end of this book like honestly kira should have (laughs) died that's what i wrote down (laughs) because she's just not that interesting i guess in my opinion but yeah i definitely was just yeah very disappointed which we'll get into all the reasons why but what did you think charles i would agree I really was disappointed with the ending, especially because I think that it, and again, this will sort of, we save it maybe for the end, but I think this was in direct contrast to how we felt about the first half of the book. I felt like this was uh, an insufficient ending. I disagree. I think that Kira is a much more interesting character to read from than Maddie, but I didn't like his death either. And yeah, I think that we can... Yeah, I, I don't want to get too far ahead. I think we should, but there's not that, honestly, that, not that much that happens. So I think we'll get to our freeform discussion pretty quickly. But I, you know, just starting off, yes, I'm with you. So diving in quickly through the plot. So Maddie does make it to Kira, and he offers to heal Kira with his power, but she says no because she's already whole, which I did think was beautiful. 
And I think that's probably, like, the biggest moral of the story <laughs> is that, like, who you are is, you know, who you should be. And I think that's really beautiful. Like, we have all the people who had, you know, bald spots or birthmarks. And, like, at the end of the story, they're brought back to where they were before. And Kira, as Maddie says, he's like, honestly, you probably would be slower if I healed you right now because you wouldn't know how to work on two legs. But she's like, but he's like, you walk pretty quickly for someone with a limp. Because she's like, I. this is who I am. This is who I've been my whole life. So I think that part was nice and beautiful. Yeah, I guess that part was nice. But <laughs> we also need to talk about Kira's gift, which, you know, we learned a little bit about in Gathering Blue, but not so much as now because we learned that Kira can embroider scenes of the future and her hands glow when she does it like it's described as very magical and almost dramatic. And she actually gets glimpses of the future temporarily, which is kind of an, it, this is definitely an escalation from what her ability was in the last book. Yeah, this is kind of what we talked about last week. It felt like this was made up or added because it didn't happen like this in Gathering Blue. She, she was gifted at embroidery. This is completely different. Like, and it, like we talked about with Jonas, he we never got any indication that he could see the future or he could see places that aren't where he is right now, and all of a sudden he like really can. He can like connect with people's brains like miles away. Like I personally find that pretty annoying that Kira, especially because we got more description of Kira, like it's very clear that Kira is just like really good at embroidery. Like that's her talent. And all of a sudden the talent now is a superpower and I, I, I don't really like that as I'm reading it. Yeah, it was definitely like a lack of continuity. And I mean, that's how I feel for this whole this whole second half of the book. It kind of just feel like or it just felt like, you know, they gave these characters these talents or, you know, Lois Lowry, she gave these characters these talents didn't really kind of say what they were or where they come from. And then all of a sudden their talents have just like expanded into like an actual like superpower that's not, that isn't explained throughout the entire book so far, which is just, yeah, it's kind of frustrating to read because like you said, it just doesn't really make sense. It just was like, she's like, yeah, I'm just going to make it. So this happens like, yeah, it's not, not very logical. Well, longtime listeners of this show know that we are both world-building people. It's something that we, especially because a lot of young adult literature is sci-fi or dystopian or fantasy. Like, so we, a lot of young adult literature takes place in non-realistic worlds. So we are tracking how those worlds are created. And this is very clearly in like a post-apocalyptic dystopian world of some sort. And it does, you know... For people, like, at least for me, I don't want to speak for you, but I kind of am. And that I think that we both keep an eye on the world building because we think that's what, like, fleshes out an interesting story. And so it's kind of annoying that this, like, ignores the foundation of the world that we've already built. Well, yeah, because, I mean, anybody can just say, you know, create these characters and say they can do this, this, and that. But good writing and a good book or series is explaining how that happens and making it seem really logical and make sense. And, you know, it's just like, that's how good writing works. So we're just yeah, not like really, even like, what were you going to say? Oh, just the way you said it, like reminds me of like Katniss, 
Katniss, if you just all of a sudden described Katniss as being able to, like, shoot a bow and arrow that well with no explanation, it would feel ridiculous because she's really, really good at it. And, I mean, that's a more concrete skill. But, like, if you just, if you met this character and the first thing you learn about them from is that when Peta's like, she can shoot a rabbit through the eye every single time. But you never got an explanation where it's like, we get the explanation. Katniss has developed this super super human skill because she's been doing it for years and it was like drawn out of a need for survival. And like, that's why she's so good at it. Like to a point that no one expects her to have that a power. So it's believable. Also the idea of not everything necessarily has to be explained to the T. Cause I'm thinking with, um, in his dark materials, Lyra, like how she's able to read the alethiometer, isn't necessarily concretely explained as to why she was able to do that, but you at least get to hint to it that it was tied to like her childhood because once she loses her innocence, she loses that ability. So like it's not it's not written out step by step as to why, but like it's at least hinted at. And also for this, like it'd be one thing if like we like Jonas. Jonas like can see beyond. We don't know why, but like they explain why Kira can do this and like Maddie can do this, but like no, no one's abilities are explained and they're also just like grown for no real reason. Like, yeah, it just, it's definitely not, I, I'm yeah, not a fan. His dark materials is a perfect example, especially the alethiometer, because there are people who like, they have to use books to consult it. So we're not getting, a, like you said, we don't have to get an, a, like a word for word, like why Lyra has this temporary, temporary ability, but like we're, there's clearly, thought behind it whereas this really feels like each book was like new rules well that's definitely interesting because the next series we're going to cover which i won't spoil what that is but the next series we're going to cover there has been criticism of that and of like things are just kind of made up this like the story the world isn't as like thought out it's not as consistent and thought out as well as like the hunger games like that we've already covered well, that's because we will actually announce at the end of this episode what the next series is, and the next series was like written. Oh you know, yeah, we are already. It's already time to announce. We're, it's already time. The next but, one. Yes, but we have to finish this one first. Yes. Yeah, so going back into <laughs> Messenger, we are we learn that Kira is living in Annabella's old house, but because she can now see the future. Like we said, she has this ability. She's totally fine to go with Maddie because she saw him coming. Like the like the day pre like the ugh. the day prior. She yeah, she saw Maddie coming like the day prior to him actually showing up. So she was prepared to go, and she's ready to just leave everything behind. You know, all her flowers and plants that she has for the dyes. This whole like established place. She's ready to go. Yeah, I thought that was really sad. I was like, this is her home, and these are all of her things, and she's just going to lose them forever. I mean, she's obviously downsizing, and (laughs) clearly, because, you know, all she takes is, like, a sack with, like, I feel like her mini, what is it called? The loom or something? Yeah, she takes her mini loom and, like, a couple of plants. Yeah, like, so that she can obviously, like, start a new garden there, but that's it, so... Definitely downsizing. Well, they get into the forest, and sorry, I know I'm supposed to call it just forest, but that's I'm not going to speak improperly. They get they go into the forest, and the forest immediately is trying to attack them, and it's getting thicker and more rotten and more rancid, and vines are like 
growing instantly and they're coming out of nowhere to attack them. Like, it's pretty graphic. Yeah, I definitely could have done without all the vivid descriptions of their cuts and wounds. Like, when they talk about, like, Kira's feet and, like, Maddie's, like, they're just these pieces of flesh. Like, you can see the muscle. Like, I'm going to throw up just... Just thinking about it. So it was pretty awful to read. Um, And then also, like, this whole thing with forest or the forest, like, I don't know. I, like, understand why the forest is, like, you know, being evil and mean and, like, twisting and blah, blah, blah. Because, obviously, the village is, like, closing their borders. Like, it matches with that. But I just don't understand why, like... To me, it doesn't make sense why Kira and Maddie are being attacked. Like, why are they end up being the victims? Like, I guess wrong place at the wrong time. But it just seems really like, I don't know. I just don't like that of like the idea of they're doing nothing wrong and they're facing all the consequences and like pretty terrible consequences. Like they are being eaten alive by the forest itself. Yeah, I wasn't a huge fan of that. I, 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 Definitely could do without those descriptions. They were really gross. And I think that we can talk a little more about, like, the nature of forests attacking them. But, you know, back at the village, like, those people are building a wall around the community. Like, they are prepping wooden logs to build a wall around the community. But, like, it's Kira and Jonas that are getting attacked. Like, I agree. I just feel like that's really inconsistent. Yeah, it's just, it. yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Like, I don't know. And just speaking of the fact that they're both going to build a wall, I just want to say, like I said last week, this book was written in 2004, not 2015. I just think we should remember that, that, you know, this theme of building a wall being the wrong idea. Anyway, just thought I would repeat that. But yeah, like I'm just saying, like the fact that the forest is trying to kill them is just like, I don't know, just, I mean... I don't know. I just, the more that we're talking about this, the more I'm like, yeah, I really didn't like this book. Like definitely so far of the three books we've read, like The Giver to me is the only good book, like, which is probably why it's the only book that ever gets gets read. Like, at least like you said, how you read it in school or like, I mean, that book got made into a weird teen dystopian movie, but like, I mean, I know you like Gathering Blue, but like, the Giver right now is the only one doing it for me. Yeah. The more we talk about this one, this one is definitely falling off the list for me as well. Though I, I didn't really... When I finished it, I was like, that's the ending? But we have to get there first. I, I still think this one was better than Gathering Blue, personally, because at least this oh, one was no. a little shorter. So, like... And it had a better beginning. Whereas Gathering Blue, like, the beginning alone, I could not... I have an argument. Again. All the... I have an argument... <laughs> for why this one is not as good as Gathering Blue that I'll save for the end to okay. counter what you just said. But I appreciate you. We're allowed to have different opinions, but I'm going to try to convince you. Okay. So, you know, so where they're in the forest, we do get another sweet moment when the forest is trying to kill Kira and Maddie. At least Christopher's like, they're both my kids. And you guys know I'm a sentimental reader. So I was like, oh, that's really sweet. But, you know, of course, that sweetness is destroyed because immediately goes back to, like, Vivid descriptions of, like, pus pockets and, like, the cuts. Oh, okay. No. No. Don't say those words. <laughs> but, yes. All the, yeah, the attacks on the forest, like, it did bring me back to the Hunger Games. I mean, of literally when they're, like, in the arena and, like, the elements are attacking you. And, like, all these hidden, like, deadly booby traps. Yeah. And then out of nowhere, Jonas, leader, is like, I'm going to go in. 
I'm going to go save them. And Sierra's like, can you? And he's like, yeah, I'll be fine. And then Christopher's like, maybe you should take some weapons and tools. And Jonas is like, it's fine. My gift will be enough. And I'm like, Maddie and Kira are supposed to have gifts, and it's clearly not enough for them. But also his gift of being able to see beyond, how is that going to help you in a deadly forest? Like, I again, the book made no sense to me. <laughs> but it made speaking, no of, sense. speaking of gifts, probably the best line of the whole book was when Maddie is telling Kira about, like, their different gifts, and he's like, you see ahead, he sees beyond, talking about Jonas, and I can fix a frog. <laughs> Those are their talents. Yeah, that was iconic. It was almost, it was like, you know, that line from Catching Fire where Katniss is like, I hunt, Peta bakes, Haymitch drinks. I was like, these are their motley talents. Just squad. <laughs> just squad, squad goals. goals. But yeah, and then, you know, the forest descriptions just keep getting worse and worse. And then, of course, which we haven't really talked about, but Frolic, Maddie's puppy, like, he took him along with him on the journey, which maybe that's also why I like Maddie more, because, like, he has a dog, so, like... And everybody loves dogs. But the puppy, the puppy dies in his arms. And that's when I, like, knew. I was like, this is the worst book on earth. How are you going to kill the dog? Like, kill Kira. (laughs) Kill anybody. How are you going to kill the dog? (laughs) Well, also, like, the dog, like, like, in terms of writing, like, there was no point to the dog. Because he had a dog as a child. He got another one. But it's not like the dog was really a metaphor for, like, his adulthood or anything like that. Because the dog is kind of a puppy the whole time, and the dog dies, and then Maddie dies, so it's not even, like, like in terms but of the writing, dog lives I mean, I like a dog, too. Because Maddie saves everybody, like, literally, like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> okay, well, we're getting ahead of ourselves. But either way, the puppy still doesn't really serve, like, a literary purpose to me, so I just don't, it's even more, like, why I'm, like, it doesn't make any sense. Why do we even have him having a dog when it doesn't matter? Like, in the grand scheme, it doesn't matter. So, anyway, I did figure out the ending, like, two lines before it happened. I was like, oh, my God, Maddie's going to use his gift to heal the whole world. And that's why Jonas didn't want him to use his gift in the first place. Yeah, so Maddie dies to use his gift to heal the earth. And that's when he receives his true name, which is Healer. Which, again, I just, he's literally Jesus Christ. Like, I, I don't know how else... I don't know what other depiction we were supposed to be getting from that, but it's very clear. He died to save everyone, died for everyone's sins, literally, literally, literally died like, for it's everyone's not even, sins. And that's why I'm like, okay, this is a little too straightforward. Like, there's not even any bit of symbolism. It is, that's literally what happens. <laughs> I know. I thought his name was going to be Savior, but maybe that would have been, like, one <laughs> step too far, even for Lois Lowry. Like, I can't cross but I was like, that much. I was like, he... It was a very, like, pig for slaughter, like, Harry Potter moment where he'd been, like, like they were, like, don't use your gift because he needed all of his remaining life force to save everything. And this is where my real frustration comes in. So before I might, I might go on a little bit of a rant. So do you have anything you want to say about the ending before I start? Um, I could just, I feel like for me, I'll just throw on mine and I'm sure you kind of agree with me. But for me, I think the most frustrating part of it all because like I said I think I don't like I don't like Maddie dying because also I'm sure this is what you're going to talk about but just like the idea of like why does Maddie have this power in the first place like why is he Jesus like you know what I mean is he the son of God like I just I need something we're just spoiler alert we get nothing 
He dies. Everyone lives happily ever after. That's the end of the book, literally. Like, that's the end. That is the end of the book. So you can just go ahead and go into your thoughts, and I'll respond to anything you have to say. So first off, I think that, yes, so the no explanation, we think we've covered that, that, like, the world-building aspect of it, it's not really any explanation for why Maddie has a gift like this, blah, blah, blah. So already that's clearly something that I'm not happy with. For me, I think there was no payoff to all of the conflict that we have in the first act. The first half of the book is, like, it's this trading, and there's, like, the mysterious aspect of the trading, and, like, people giving up something really hard to get something really shallow. And these trades are supposed to be irreversible. The trading is not mentioned, like, at all in the second half of the book, and all of the trading is just, like, absolved. And again, that's like maybe, you know, maybe she really was going for like heavy Christian imagery of like, no matter what your sin is, you can be forgiven. But like, I find that it felt almost like it was two books because the first half you're setting up really interesting conflicts and like, then all of those conflicts are resolved in a non-satisfactory way. Okay. Can I, can I interject really really quick? Yes, please. I just want to voice my opinion that I've changed my mind. This was worse than Gathering Blue. Thank you. This is what I was going for. That like in that in Gathering Blue, you might not like have liked the world, but there were conflicts that were resolved over the course of the book. It was a better. It was still a better written book. And Gathering Blue was only boring because to me, like I think she spent a little too long on like describing like very minute details that like weren't really that important but overall like you're saying there was still a conflict we got a resolution by the end and it made sense whereas this one although it was more interesting in the beginning i do agree with you of that idea of like two books like if this would have had a better written ending it could have went in a completely different direction or just had a better explanation whereas the second half of the book like we didn't get anything like it was a and it's better at least to have maybe like a little bit of a boring first half but have a better second half i feel like and also both of the endings felt entirely predictable which is one of the things that i found really annoying about gathering blue like it was that the ending was super predictable that christopher was going to show up but, but this ending at least was also at predictable least in gathering at least in gathering blue i would say i think it felt predictable to us because we're adult readers so if i was a kid reading this and like we said it's your first first time reading like a book that has like foreshadowing and stuff like that where you're like trying to learn those things i think gathering blue is a better book for that absolutely whereas this book it was like we just said i mean how the first half of the maddie is like the literal depiction of jesus like it's not even like a symbol like it's literally the same story like it's just way too like it's too obvious like it's like like gathering blue was obvious, but this is like on a whole nother level of being like extremely obvious, like in your face. This was my this was going to be my argument to convince you is that I was like this bun starts off any, better, you convincing but I've already, already convinced, convinced you. Like the first half of it started with so much potential because we really have these interesting social dynamics of this society where people are like doing really terrible things, and so we remember when we finished recording last week, we were like, I wonder how they're going to resolve the trades. We didn't get any payoff on that at all. Yeah. Like I guess for for me, I think I would have enjoyed it more if instead of her diving into like or trying to dive into like their abilities, like Jonas, Kira, and Maddie like having these magical abilities, I think it would have been a much more interesting story to talk about the trading and how that worked and like how were they able to trade their 
deepest, darkest self? Like, what is the process of that? Like, I don't know. Yeah. And maybe that's just because I like darker stuff. Like, I don't know. I just think that would have been a much more interesting story as opposed to just saying. I mean, it's also like showing versus telling, I feel like, because basically she just told us that these characters have these powers and they're able to do this. But she's given us no explanation or reason, and she hasn't really shown us why they should be able to have these abilities. Yeah, exactly. Like, it really felt like we were going to set up, we were setting up for a really dark, not necessarily having to stay dark, but like we were setting up for a much more interesting resolution. And then, like, it just changed. And all of the conflicts that were so dynamic and much more interesting at the beginning of this one. Like, where, whereas the dynamic, I will agree, the conflicts in Gathering Blue are not exactly that exciting. Because it's literally, like, her discovering that she's been locked up because she's an artist. Like, whereas, like, we were setting up much more interesting dynamics, but they fell flat, which I think was even more annoying. And, this is my last point, still no explanation on Gabriel. Where is he? Oh, well, I'm assuming, like I said, which I think I gave my theory either last episode or the episode before, that I believe... Son, the last book is going to be about Gabriel because he's like Jonas's son or something. He's the new Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, goodness. Well, that is, I'm glad I didn't really like have to convince you, like fight with you over it because you came to like where I was before. But yeah, it's, it, I think it's also extra frustrating because like, I mean, so full disclosure, when I divide which readings we do, I normally just look at the book and I try to divide the chapters approximately in half so that, like, the readings are semi-equal. But, like, those, that beginning could have gone to a completely different ending and that ending could have gone to a completely different beginning. Like, I did not know how it was going to shake out like that. And I thought that it was, like, particularly jarring that the it felt like two separate books. Yeah. So do we think... Do we think this is our least favorite book we've read on the podcast so far? I don't know. I feel like some of the Percy Jacksons might be up there. I was going to say, but I think the Percy Jacksons, I feel like it still wasn't this bad. I think the thing with the Percy Jacksons is that I think that they were all at a consistent level of like, this is a kid's book. And yeah. there's no complexity, there's no intrigue, there's nothing, like, exciting. Whereas I think this one, like, makes me more angry than the Percy Jackson ones because <laughs> I felt betrayed. Well, also because I feel like we start at, like, The Giver, which is, like, obviously iconic. a very, like, critically acclaimed book. Like, it's an iconic book. Like, it's, I mean, people read it in school. Like, it's a very, very well done book. And then for, like, the core, the rest of the quartet to just kind of be failing is just kind of, I don't know, embarrassing. They're kind of, they're kind of reading in descending order of quality, if you ask me. Like, so hopefully the trend will not continue and Sun will be better. But, yeah, I do also, at least for me, like, for me personally, obviously, for the Percy Jackson series, at least I had, like, the nostalgia of reading it. So even though I didn't, like you said, it's a kid's book, I at least got that of, oh, my gosh, like, I remember reading this when I was a kid. So you have that where it's, like, I've never read these books before, and you obviously haven't read Messenger or Sun, so you're not even going to have that to, like, cling on to if you, like, it was a beloved book of your childhood. Yeah. Well, I think that Sun was written, like, a longer period. Like, I think the first three books were written sort of in sequence, and then Sun was written much later. So I don't know. Maybe that will change so the writing style. maybe she had time to, or, to improve. And Lois Lowry is not a bad author. Like, Number of the Stars is a pretty iconic 
piece of like American literature and like like The Giver. If we read The Giver in isolation, I think we would it would be one of the higher books that Do we read on the show. Do you know if she has any other series? I'm not sure. I haven't looked into it much further. Because if she doesn't, I mean, maybe she's just not as not as good at writing series. Like, not everybody's great at like creating world building to, to and like, last. creating a whole yeah. to last. Yeah. But I think. Do we have anything else on this book? I feel like that's pretty much it. I don't think so. I. I mean, the prose. Still, a lot of it was written. The prose was better than like Twilight, but <laughs> just I don't want to like I don't want to. I don't want to. But apparently, Twilight is the book series Charles wants to read again. It is so the book maybe series. Maybe the prose I want. isn't that important. I'm. I just don't want to like spend this whole episode bashing this book because I still like enjoyed reading it. Like whereas, like sometimes I got to those Percy Jackson books, I was like, oh my god, I have to. oh the Percy Jackson like, books. They were more we painful were to read. <laughs> I was dragging my feet like at least those. this one because especially because the first half was like such a page turning half. The second one, I was like, the action's going to come. The action's going to come. Nothing happened. I the would say I only come. enjoyed this one more because it was, again, it's like, the, it's a new book. I've never read it before. And I, like you said, the first half was good. So the second half, you know, you're like, okay, well, this is kind of weird, but like, it's going to get better. And then you're like, oh, wait, this is the last page. It's over. <laughs> yeah. That was the other thing that I will also like another doc before we finish. I felt the ending like was incomplete. Like I read it. And I, like, went to go do work. And then I, like, came back after work and I, like, picked up the book again because I was, like, got to finish reading. And then I was, like, oh, wait, I already finished. Because I, like, literally felt the ending was that incomplete. I mean, just simply the fact that we didn't get any answers about the trading is enough to say that it was an incomplete ending. Like, that's kind of ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. I, that, like, I literally, like, went back to the book thinking that I had not finished it because the ending was so inconclusive. Well, dang. Okay, I think that's all we have to say. You know, we want to stop yeah, bashing. Yeah, before we get like just be start being series, cruel because we still have, we have another book to read. We still have one more book, which will be starting next week, which is Sun, and we're gonna read chapters one through twenty-two. So this is either a much longer book or the chapters are just much shorter. Which I don't know how they could be because <laughs> Messenger, the chapters were like three pages. Sometimes I mean, some of those Nicholas Flamel chapters were literally four pages. Those books are like like. Enchantress, the longest one. I mean, it's a longer book, but that was 80 chapters. Like, some of the chapters in Nicholas Hamel were four pages. Yeah, but... But anyway. Anyway, so that's what we'll be doing for next week. But then, after that, for our next series, we are going to be reading the Divergent Trilogy. So make sure that you get your hands on those books, which, like I kind of hinted at earlier... The Divergent books are something that have had criticism of, like, the world's not as like fleshed out as well as like compared to like the hunger games but obviously we're going we're going along with our dystopian little segment here continuing with that so of course we have to cover divergent which i've read before which i actually love divergent up until a point but i mainly enjoyed the series because it doesn't have a love triangle in it which obviously some of the biggest books of like the young adult genre like always have some kind of love triangle which divergent does not but charles will be reading it for the first time so that's going to be super fun to start covering yes i'm very excited to read the divergent series i've never read it and i think that i will probably be in the more critical vein but that's and i'm trying not to bring any of my biases what i think i, I think i did that pretty well with twilight where like i had a lot of biases coming in 
But I think that I tried. I mean, to, like, I think really you did really take, well of the fact of you came out and you like it. So like, I think that I did a pretty good job. I think that we've done a pretty good job of like, you know, when we are the new people, we've been trying to give everything like a truly fair shot, uh, not just based on the. And if I was referencing something like in Twilight that I'd like seen, I would mention that. So I, you know, give a disclaimer. Because have you have you seen any of the movies? I've never seen any of the movies. I know what happens in the third book that makes a lot of people not like the book. And I've heard a lot of the criticisms that it was written basically right after Hunger Games, like when this like boon in dystopian, like I've ha- heard all of that. And we'll probably talk about that on our first week of the Divergent series. Yes. But I will, I'm excited to read it because I've never read it, but I, I will also do my best to separate any like cultural biases and then also read the book honestly. But you guys know me, I'm generally more critical. <laughs> And anyway, back to our regular scheduled programming and script. <laughs> if you have predictions, theories, questions, as always, you can stay in touch with us directly on the Nerd Party website. Just head over to nerdparty.com slash contact, select throwback paperback. You send us an email there. Get in touch with the network on Twitter at Jordan Nerd Party or on Instagram at the Nerd Party or Facebook.com slash Nerd Party. To find me, I'm at C.E. Sheelan on Twitter and at Seashells on Instagram. And I'm at AsiaBonia on Twitter and at Asia.Bonia on Instagram. If you enjoyed this, make sure that you rate and review the podcast and share it with your friends. And of course, check out the other podcasts on the Nerd Party Network and make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss us next week. And if you're still listening and here with us, go ahead and send us an email and we'll give you a shout out in the next episode as a little Easter egg. Yeah. Anyone who listens that far into our scripted part, kudos to you, and we'll give you that shout-out. Hit that subscribe. Have a good one. We will see you next week. Join the revolution. Join the nerd party.